A different perspective, a new insight into life, a nugget of positivity and a hidden truth, and maybe an amusement for you. Welcome to From My Standpoint, a twice a month podcast with your host, Josh C. Jones. Hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. Insert story here. <laughs> oh, right. I didn't write that part. Uh, oh well, it is what it is. Anyway, welcome to my Christmas episode. I appreciate you tuning in again to From My Standpoint. I'm your host, Josh C. Jones. If this is your first time listening, then I thank you for tuning in. And if it's not, well, thank you for coming back. Uh, if you have not yet subscribed, then I encourage you to subscribe to From My Standpoint on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is you listen on. You can follow me on Facebook at Josh C. Jones Author, on Instagram at Josh C. Jones Author, on Twitter at Author J.C. Jones, or visit the website www.fromtheirstandpoint.com. That's from T-H-E-I-R standpoint.com. And click on my show, From My Standpoint. Oh, and if you even slightly like what you hear in these episodes, then please, please, please rate, review, and share. Thank you. Now let's get on with this episode. It's Christmas time again, and so of course I'm doing a Christmas episode here. So let's talk about Christmas. Christmas has been celebrated for nearly 2,000 years. Yes, it has been celebrated all throughout the world in many different ways and by many different cultures. Thank you, Captain Obvious. You're welcome. But do we truly understand the meaning and reasoning behind this worldwide phenomenon of a holiday that has encompassed even the non-religious? Did you say non-religious? Yes. Yes, I did, random voice of questions. Why? I will get to that in a bit, all right? Well, anyway, Christmas is often celebrated with the decorating of Christmas trees, giving of gifts to loved ones and sometimes strangers, decorating houses and businesses with what we call festive lights and decoration displays, singing carols, uh, some charity, and of course, all the delicious goodies that hold no calories during what we call the Christmas or holiday season. Yeah, don't hold me to that last one. Christmas has been an official national federal holiday in America since 1870. Hmm, that is interesting. Especially since the claim is we are not a Christian nation, and yet, even with our founding documents and the original documents by the supermajority of our founders revealing their Judeo-Christian faith and belief in the Bible, in the 1800s, our government leaders declared Christmas a national federal holiday. Hmm. Well... It was celebrated, but not made official by the government until right after the Civil War. You know, 1870, after the Civil War. And, hmm, I guess when you're greatly divided and fighting an internal battle of spirit versus soul, then it would be difficult to nationally recognize the birth of your Savior. <laughs> if there be one thing I learned, it'd be that our soul is selfish and, and it may want to help them uh, flesh fight with them spirit knows is right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think that is true, as far as my understanding goes, random voice of common sense. Thank you. Anyway, this time has been celebrated even before the birth of Jesus, believe it or not. Th that is the, the time from near the end of December until about January. Yet the meaning and reasoning for this time of celebration, it could very well be seen as prophetic, if one chooses to view in that perception or coincidence. Surprisingly. There is no Hebrew word for 
coincidence. Hmm. That is very interesting. And I've, I've, I've heard that same thing too, random voice of reason. And you know, I'm thinking maybe that is why people can say without a, without a doubt that, uh, a lot of what is in the Old Testament prophetically points to Jesus as the coming Messiah. You know, his birth, his life, death, and resurrection. Can you give me some examples on what you mean as prophetic? <laughs> yes, I can, random voice of questions. Um, for example, the Norsemen, or Norse people, they celebrate at this time, which is known as the winter solstice, as a celebration for the return of the sun. In fact, the winter solstice was celebrated as the end of the worst of the winter days, which were seen as the dark and cold, you know, the lifeless, and as the return of the sun, which brings longer and brighter and warmer days, you know, the light of the world. I've also read that during this time in December, many cultures and peoples, most of whom lived in harsh cold areas, they would slaughter much of their cattle for two reasons. First, they did so for the purpose of not having to use precious resources to feed and ensure the survival of the cattle over the people, because they deemed human life was more precious to them than animal life. And secondly, so that the people could have meat to eat and uh, live on during the harsh and lifeless winter time. Now, <laughs> I thought this was very, very interesting for two reasons. First, it says that without the light of the world, the heart is cold and death stalks about. And secondly, they would make animal sacrifices to protect their supply, but more importantly, for the sustenance of life. An annual sacrifice for life. Now, this reminded me of the times uh, before Christ, the times in the Old Testament when the Jewish people would be subjected to the law and annual sacrifices. You know, the time before grace. The priests would be required to make annual sacrifices for themselves so they would be clean before approaching the holy place, and they would be worthy to then make animal sacrifice for all the people in order to wash away their sins and to save them. An annual sacrifice for life. Now, another thing is uh, in Rome, people celebrated what is known as Saturnalia, which was to honor what they believed was the god of Saturn, uh, as far as I understand, it's also the god of agriculture. And during this time, believe it or not, it has been said that the slaves were actually treated as free people and supposedly given equal treatment during this time of celebration. And during this time of winter solstice, known to us now as the Christmas season, slaves were granted a temporary reprieve. It was a temporary freedom by a temporary savior, which was all granted politically by man to man, and which gave those in bondage a small window of time to experience a perceived freedom and life before they were once again put back in chains and enslaved into a life of death by their very same political quote-unquote savior. Now, I thought this was very interesting as well, because although freedom and equity was granted, supposedly, it was granted by man to honor a god who did not care to truly save people, but only receive support and worship for the political reasons of man and the control over man with temporary and conditional love. Yet, in Christianity, 
We follow a God who loves us unconditionally, and instead of demanding worship through the chains of bondage, he offered his only son as a sacrifice to die on the cross and, and have his blood spilled to cover our sins and to save all people and to release all people from bondage. And he welcomed all people with love, you know, those who choose for themselves to enter into his kingdom, into life and liberty. And as I said in episode 18, The Great Wisdom of number 1, love, as Pooh so rightly stated, is an emotion. It is a choice. Love is something that you feel toward another. Love is the most precious gift we have on this earth. Love is complete trust and faith. It is the choice and willingness to give your life and all you have for another— Love is truly wanting the one you love to be happy, even more than your own feelings. Without freedom, without liberty, without free will, one cannot truly love. That is why it is our choice, each one of us, it is our choice, if we shall choose God and love and follow him, or choose the ruler of this world and love and follow him. And, well, there are plenty more examples out there um, if you wish to do your own independent research on this subject. And I highly suggest you do on the subject of prophetic stuff and uh, Christmas season and winter solstice, because I am not a historian, but even I found this research somewhat fascinating. Was Christmas always celebrated as the birth of Jesus? Good question. And uh, from what I understand, no, it was not random voice of questions. We've always celebrated the resurrection of Jesus since his birth. That is, Christians, true believers have. The resurrection is one of the many, many things that truly separates Jesus from all other religious prophets. I mean, you can see when the prophets of other religions have passed away, and not one of them has ever saved his people, loved his people unconditionally, offered salvation to all people, given this uh, salvation freely, or risen again, except for Jesus. Anyway, uh, it wasn't until... I think it was about the 4th century, at least from what I could find and from what I understand, it wasn't until about the 4th century that the church actually made the birth of Christ a celebrated holiday. Again, as far as my understanding goes, there is no mention of the exact date of Jesus' birth. Now, I could be wrong here, uh, but if there is, I am unaware of it. And if there is and you know about it, please let me know. But December 25th was chosen by the church. And I've also read in other places, uh, it was actually Pope Julius I who made this proclamation. Uh, but supposedly during the early years of Christmas, being that it was placed during the pagan time of celebration to other gods for the winter solstice, people were often rowdy and rambunctious and sometimes very unruly. After Jesus' death and resurrection, people used this time to celebrate Jesus' birth, but many also compromised with the world. And you know, that makes me think of um, Joshua 24, 15, where it says, If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. In other words, some people truly chose to tear down God's commandments 
to remove God from their life, to compromise their morals and standards, and limp along using God's name in vain. What do you mean by using God's name in vain? Well, as I've heard it explained to me, Random Voice of Questions, and it makes a lot of sense, I think, if you love God, then as Jesus said in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And as we know, Jesus is a part of the Trinity, meaning his word is God's word, and God's word is the teaching in the Bible. So if you love God and have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you will want to live a life that honors him. You will live your life to honor the one you love, such as, you know, a spouse will try to change their ways to honor their partner, a person living in selfishness and self-centeredness obviously loves themselves, and a believer loves Jesus. And like I said earlier, that is why it is our choice, each one of us individually, it is our choice if we shall choose God and love and follow him, or choose the ruler of this world and love and follow him. Either way, our life will honor the one we choose to love. Now, it won't always be easy, of course, and we will all stumble and make mistakes. We won't be perfect. None of us will. But if one is willingly choosing over and over and over to live a life that dishonors God and still claims to be Christ-like, that person, that person is using God's name in vain. And as we know, vain means to be useless. As James 4.4 states, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Anyway, as Elijah said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And um, for those that may not know about, you know, Baal is or who Baal is, Baal was considered a god of fertility who was signified by an Asherah pole, which was to show worship toward uh, the goddess Asherah as well. And interestingly, the goddess Asherah was considered to be Baal's mother and Baal's mistress. Ugh. And it, it gets even more perverse than that. The goddess Asherah was worshipped with a time of... Um, sexual perversion, homosexuality, and orgies. And in some cases, these were in full public display. And Baal was worshipped with the sacrificing, or what we would call aborting, of children. And as Matthew 6.24 states, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Anyway, some people did just as the ancient Israelites um, seemed to do over and over and over in the Old Testament, and they compromised with the world, accepting the world's traditions and gods as their own. In short, Christmas went from the celebration of the birth of Jesus to a mixture of customs with ex excess and depravity that was customary in the world. Now, if you're interested, look up uh, the Lord of Misrule. This will explain some of it, too. That, again, that was the Lord of Misrule. 
Anyway, during the early times, Christmas was also when those who were blessed with more could, as some saw it, repay their debt to society for having been blessed with more than others by opening their homes or venues to entertain the less fortunate. This is very interesting to me, because um, it's very interesting how people look at blessings as an automatic sin and debt that those who have been blessed with more must somehow repay to those who are seen as having less. And oftentimes it's those who are jealous and coveting what someone was blessed with that views it as sin and a debt that must be paid to them. Because, I mean, if gained rightly, blessings are gifts for work and sacrifice. And we shouldn't be coveting somebody else's blessings, somebody else's gifts. We should be rejoicing with them. It's amazing how we took God's blessings and made them curses. We took our soul's selfish desires and wants and turned God's blessings into things to be coveted and dispersed without care, without love, and without charity. We took God's unconditional love and grace, and instead, we fashioned it into a burden and unspoken law of man. Christmas is a time of celebration of God's love for us all, for the entire world. It, it, it was recorded in the Bible and in other historical texts found as well, just do your own independent research, that Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection were all foretold through prophecy hundreds if not thousands of years before his time. In fact, uh, this, um, what was known more as an English tradition for Christmas, and that would be that of, um, of rowdiness, rambunctiousness, the forced quote-unquote charity for the sins of having been blessed in life, and the often lawless acts by the poor, those seen as not having much, those that are coveting the blessings of others. Um, I guess we'd call it now the have-nots coveting the haves always dividing us, the haves versus have-nots. But as I've read, they would riot, steal, vandalize, and sometimes on rare occasions they would murder. And this was considered tradition. But this tradition was changed to be more of a family and community gathering of goodwill and charity in America soon after the Revolutionary War. Once America won its independence from Britain, English customs were very quickly, as some historians say, falling out of favor in the new colonies. And this one, the Lord of Misrule, and the drunken parties that we would often associate with, or what we would look at as uh, Mardi Gras nowadays, it was one of those Christmas traditions that quickly fell out of favor. It was a compromise with the world to disgrace and pervert the birth of our Savior. So, we know more about this time of year in times past, but what does Christmas actually mean? That is a good question, Random Voice of Questions. Thank you. Christmas is a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. What is so great about this Jesus Christ? Always good questions, Random Voice of Questions. Thank you. Jesus was, and is, the Son of Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God. Isn't that offensive and exclusive and quite possibly intolerant to claim there is only one true God? <laughs> 
yeah, it very well is to the world. In fact, I found that it is actually often offensive and exclusive and intolerant to really mention anything in and to this world that goes against this world's own opinion or belief. But, you know, the world only wants to accept whatever justifies uh, their chosen lifestyle and beliefs, which is why some people create new religions so they can feel better about the lifestyles they choose. Um, we can see this in historical facts, uh, such as the creating a new religion to justify lying, cheating, stealing, and murdering of those considered infidels who do not accept your chosen god or belief system. We have seen religions created to support one man, sometimes multiple people's lifestyles of promiscuity and marrying uh, multiple women and the abuse of children. And we've seen it for power and control over other sexes as well. And you know, quite interestingly, I've actually even seen someone close create their own religion by taking aspects of many different religions so that they would, uh, that what they had chosen to say and do and live their life by was justified with this new religion that they just created. And in all the cases, however, all were just false justifications to prove one's works as worthy of salvation and eternal life without ever having to repent or change one's sinful ways. You know, the, the soul's desires. <laughs> but, you know, hold on to your seat there, though, random voice of questions, because since you asked that question, uh, I'm about to get more offensive and exclusive and quote-unquote intolerant with the truth here. There is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to heaven. Not many as the world would want us to falsely believe. If we wish to be saved, if we wish to go to heaven, if we wish to be free and to see eternal life, then as Jesus said himself in Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. This is the way of the world, to claim and believe that all religions are true, that all paths lead to heaven, that all gods are just different names for the one true God, and that all truths are true. Your truth, my truth, their truth, our truth. No, there's only one truth. The rest are just opinions. But Jesus continues when he says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And Jesus is the narrow road. He is that small gate. He is life. In the book of John, you know, Jesus states again in his own words, I am the door. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father, that is God, except through me. So how do we enter this small gate? How do we become saved and go to heaven? Well, simply put, random voice of questions, faith. In Romans 10.9, it clearly tells you, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And remember, it doesn't just say confess with your mouth's mouth, but you got to believe in your heart. There are so many people that have a knowledge of who God and Jesus is, but they don't actually believe. Because by Jesus' own mouth, it is stated that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
that he died on the cross to save you of your sins and that he rose again and sits at the right hand of the Father and you believe this in your heart, then you will be saved. And once you're saved, you become a new creation. In other words, your spirit is reborn. Now, our spirit, as I believe, and I do think that you can find when you study the Bible, our spirit is what died in the garden when Adam and Eve ate of the, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yes, our bodies began to age and decay and turn back to dust as well, but it is our spirit that took the immediate death. And I think that is how we are reborn when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It is our, our spirit. Our spirit becomes alive once again. And through God's grace, we are saved. Because it says in John, and I think everyone knows this verse by now, even people that don't believe in God know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And it says in Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It is not a result of works. We cannot do enough good works to outweigh our sins. Now, I know some people believe that, you know, you do enough good works, the scales will balance in your favor and your sins or your bad deeds won't weigh as much as your good deeds. And that is how you go to heaven. But that is not how it works. It even, we just read it in the Bible. That is not how it works. So if you believe that the scales can balance based on good works and do not believe in Jesus, then you know, you will be judged based on works. And as it says in Romans 3.20, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, that is in God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. No person, not one person can do enough good works to cover their sins. It's just not going to happen. Only Jesus Christ was able to live a pure and righteous life, blameless, and thus be the sacrifice for our atonement. And it, it says in the Bible as well, but if by grace it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. So if you want to be saved, you must accept Jesus and you must believe in him. There is no other way to be saved. There is no other way to heaven. And if you are still listening and haven't tuned me out by now and you want to be saved, then please. Believe this in your heart and repeat this prayer after me. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross for me and rose again. I invite him into my heart and life to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let us celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and also spend quality time with our loved ones. And if you have any other questions or comments or whatever, don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, you can go to the website fromtheirstandpoint.com. That's from T-H-E-I-R standpoint.com and send us a message through there. Thank you. And this is the best decision you have ever made in your life. Trust me. Merry Christmas, everyone. And now, what you've all been waiting for, it's the wisdom of Dad Joke. 
Since it's Christmas time, we're doing a Christmas dad joke. I bet you didn't figure that one out, huh? <laughs> Who delivers Christmas presents to sharks? Santa shark do 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 do. Santa shark do 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 do. This has been from my standpoint, a podcast to find a nugget of positivity and a hidden truth, encouraging and enlightening insight, entertaining a new perspective, and providing an amusement for you. We hope you were entertained, encouraged, enlightened, and enjoyed the show.